Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is the good, well-pleasing, and perfect will of God. Romans 12.2 Father, today I am hungry for more of you. I come to you with a real desire to learn and grow. I come to you with a teachable spirit, eager to be filled with your wisdom, your power. I will not step into this new season of my life clinging to the old ways. I declare that I am being transformed by the renewing of my mind as I look to you. I am becoming increasingly aware of your infinite ability to bring new life, new growth from what seems to be dead or dying. I'm excited about the unlimited potential that will be realized. I can't wait to see the renewal that will take place in each of my life's assignments. I will walk in your good and perfect will for me. I choose to ignore any discouraging words, from within or without, that would seek to distract me and derail me from my destiny. Conforming to low thinking will no longer be a part of my life, because I am being transformed as I answer your highest calling. I confess that I'm no longer the same. I've been forever changed. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I live for His kingdom and His glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay tuned to immerse yourself in the greatest stories ever told from Pray.com's podcast, Heroes in the Bible. Hello, my name is Matthew Potter, co-founder of Pray.com. And before we start today's episode of Heroes in the Bible, I wanted to ask, do you know what your bank does with your money? At America's Christian Credit Union, your everyday banking helps grow churches, expand the reach of missions agencies, and supports fellow believers across the country. Learn more about specials for switching to ACCU and their nationwide banking capabilities at americaschristiancu.com forward slash pray. Plus, the peace of mind knowing that this credit union is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. Hi, I'm Dr. Tony Evans, your host for Heroes in the Bible. If you've enjoyed this podcast so far, please share it with your family and friends and help us spread God's word. Welcome to the epic adventure of David, a story of honor, battle, jealousy, darkness, friendship, love, scandal, and murder. While most people know of David the myth, few know about David the man. This is our final episode. It has been a joy to go on this journey with you. David's story is rich with deep truths about the faithfulness of God, the fragility of man, and the heart of a true hero. This episode is the final seal on the scroll of David's life, conveying his last words and wishes for the kingdom he gave his life to protect. In this episode, David chooses his heir to the throne, and we're given hope that he will be a good steward of God's people. As the flickering flame of David's life fades, we are left with one resounding theme that prevails throughout Scripture. David is not the greatest hero of the Bible. However, as we listen to his final poetic musings and contemplate his legacy, 
we can't help but smile and conceive that while he may not be the Bible's greatest hero, he certainly came the closest. David's heir will have a lot to live up to, and we are certain that he will have faith at times and fall at times like his father. Isn't that one of the greater themes of our story so far? Faithfulness requires that we fail. God has called you and I to a grand adventure, and it would be silly to think that we can take risks without stumbling every once in a while. David stumbled, and God propped him back up. David's story reminds us that we can be brave, but when we aren't, God will be brave for us. We can be wise, but when we aren't, God will be wise for us. We can be righteous, but when we aren't, God will be righteous on our behalf. God bless the story of David. Let's finish up this glorious series with episode 30, The Death of a Hero. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by The American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, The American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Prelude to Chapter 30 Samuel picked up his staff and wandered past the stables and up the grassy hill. The wildflowers were in full bloom, arraying the grassy hills in splendor. Soft music could be heard from a distance. Samuel smiled as he looked at the flowers swaying back and forth in the breeze. It was as if they were dancing to the music. Samuel made his way up the hill. Sheep were grazing lazily in the mild sun. The music seemed to soothe them. Samuel looked around for the source of the melodies. Underneath the cypress tree in the shade was the shepherd boy Jesse spoke of. He leaned his back against the trunk of the tree, strumming his harp to the same tempo of the wind. Samuel approached the tree, trying not to interrupt the boy's playing. He sat on a stone only a few yards away from where the boy lounged. The old prophet leaned back and observed him. He could not have been any older than 16. His long hair was lighter than his brother's. He was not as looming as his oldest brother Eliab. However, he was very handsome and ruddy in appearance. Samuel was content to be silent for a while and listen to the music. The song was a balm to his weary and downcast soul. The boy's music was emotional and somber, yet filled with an unwavering joy. Clearly, it was a song written from the heart. As the song gently came to a close, 
Samuel leaned over as he sat and cleared his throat. <coughs> the boy jumped back and grabbed his staff. Who are you? The young shepherd said quickly. Samuel laughed and waved his hands. <laughs> I'm sorry if I startled you, my son. Please do not be alarmed. I come in peace. The boy lowered his staff and looked at the man up and down. You must be the prophet I heard about. I could hear my father clamoring to my family about you from here. The boy bowed a knee in respect. Samuel peered at the boy for a long while before speaking again. Tell me, why were you not in attendance at the feast? He asked. The boy shrugged. I am only a shepherd. He replied. I suppose my place is among my sheep. In that moment, Samuel felt a surge of God's joy well up from within him. As if the voice of God was striking like lightning in his mind, he could hear the Lord say, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one I have chosen. Samuel stood in front of the boy. Surely you are not only a shepherd. What is your name? David, he replied. Kneel before the Lord, David, for the Lord desires to bless you. Samuel took his horn of oil and anointed David's head. And the Spirit of God rushed upon the shepherd boy like a mighty tempest. A surge of courageous fire burned within David's belly. Although David hadn't the slightest clue why Samuel had anointed him, he knew that from that day forward, the Lord had destined him for great things. Chapter 30 Death of a Hero Every moment was like being lost in the dead of winter. His bones rattled and his limbs felt numb. Every movement of his body was an insurmountable task. The giant slayer, the warrior king, laid awake in his bed, unable to care for himself. His broad shoulders that once held up the armies of Israel were now sunk into a pillow, never to bear any weight again. He moaned as he rolled onto his side. Slowly, he lifted himself up and stepped off his bed. He could not feel the cedar floor beneath him. The man who once ran across the wilderness to save his family could now barely make it from his bed to his fireplace. He struggled to get to his seat by the fire and groaned as he sat down. He held out his hands to warm them, but it was no use. He was perpetually cold and shivered like he was caught up in a snowstorm. He stared into the fading fire. It had been burning for a while, but the coals broke off from one another, causing the flame to dissipate. David took an iron rod and moved them closer together. The small flame was stoked, and the fire began to regain its height. David smiled and set down the rod beside his chair. He drew a deep <laughs> breath and coughed. He continued to shiver beside the fire, contemplating the state of his kingdom. The major enemies of the Lord had been vanquished, and Israel had established itself as the elder brother of the region. Although there were more enemies on the horizon, Israel's immediate safety was secure. The shivering king smiled, content that his final years as king successfully brought a decade of peace. The door knocked. Come in, David said in a raspy old voice. A young woman walked in. She had dark skin that was tanned from the sun, and her hair was pulled back behind her head covering. She had a radiant smile, and hidden behind her eyes was poetic wisdom. A younger David would have been intoxicated by her. However, in his old age, David's desires for pleasure had faded. She was his nurse, and tended to him day and night. 
She also slept with him in his bed to keep him warm, but the two did not know each other intimately. She was like a daughter to him, and he trusted her with his health and well-being. Hello, Abishag, David whispered, wrapping himself in his robes. You are out of bed again, Abishag said sternly. Her voice was gentle and soft. She could curse him, and it would still sound like a sweet blessing. David smiled and gestured for her to sit beside him. The king sighed and continued to look at the fire. I fear that my final days are drawing near, he said. As I lay in my bed, sometimes I wish I had died years ago in the glory of battle. Passing at an old age in your bed is its own glory, Abishag said. You have lived long and fought many battles. You have earned a moment of peace. David chuckled and began to cough again. (coughs) I have earned nothing, my dear. It is the Lord who has given me everything. Abishag smiled and escorted David back to his bed. She dressed him in another layer of robes and tucked him under the blankets. She went to the fire and placed another log in. The flame consumed it quickly, and the room was filled with more warmth. However, the king continued to shiver. His bones were brittle and losing life. Abishag crawled into bed with him and kept her body close. The king sighed a breath of relief and fell asleep. Fifty horsemen rode up the hills with brilliantly adorned armor. The sound of galloping thoroughbreds echoed across the plains, leading up to Joab's estate. Behind them was Prince Adonijah, David's eldest son, after the death of Absalom. He was mounted on a black horse and adorned with golden-scaled armor. His breastplate was laced with jewels and his belt shimmered with gemstones. Adonijah was the most handsome man in all Israel. His long curls gracefully blew in the wind, and his broad shoulders and chest accentuated his decadent armor. Joab was standing in front of his home, leaning on his cane for balance. Adonijah dismounted his horse and held out his arms to embrace Joab. Israel's greatest commander, Joab. How are you, old friend? Joab bowed his head, and the two of them hugged. Dear Prince Adonijah, I see you have come with a king-like entourage, he said, gesturing to the fifty men behind him. Adonijah looked back and shrugged. Well, if I am to be king soon, it is best for me to begin preparing myself. These men are the finest young warriors in Israel. I have recruited them to be my personal guard. Impressive, Joab exclaimed. Come in, we have much to discuss. The two men walked into Joab's home. Abiathar, the priest, was already inside waiting. The three of them sat down to discuss the future of Israel and the succession of the king. I will be king, Adonijah said plainly. The king is in his final weeks. I have seen it myself. He is near death. And it is time for us to begin planning. Abiathar nodded and said, Has David given you his blessing to succeed him? Adonijah shook his head. I am the oldest and the greatest warrior of my father's sons. Although my father has not said so explicitly, I have begun my preparations. With you two behind me, I am sure the nation will accept me as their king. What of Solomon? Abiathar said. Did not your father request he succeed him on the throne? Joab scoffed and said, Solomon does not have a steady enough hand to be king. 
He wastes his time in scrolls, studying ancient languages and philosophies. He reads more than he fights, and he enjoys rhetoric more than action. Adonijah is the clear choice. He is a warrior and the firstborn. I will support him as king, even if David does not see it. Joab and Abiathar spoke from a place of bitterness. Since the victory over the Philistines, Benaiah and Nathan the prophet had become David's closer allies and confidants. They felt cast aside and angry with David, so they conspired with his son. What Joab says is true. Adonijah agreed. Israel does not need a philosopher. It needs a king. The prince placed a hand on each of them and said, You two are trusted by my father and respected by the nation. If I have you two by my side, I know I can become a great king. The three of them continued to speak about the future of Israel. They strategized, drew maps, and dreamed about a new Israel under a new rule. However, in all of their planning, they did not think once to ask David for permission. They kept him in the dark, hoping that he would die before making his preference for Solomon known. We must show the people that God favors us as well. Adonijah exclaimed, Abiathar, arrange a sacrifice for us so that we might worship the Lord. Then we will hold a great feast for my siblings and the nobles of Israel. I desire for them to recognize me as king. Abiathar stood and bowed. It was a brilliant idea. So they met on a hill called Serpent Stone. The sons of David, the royal officials of Judah, and the rich nobles of Israel were all in attendance. Adonijah sacrificed sheep, oxen, and fattened cattle before the Lord. They burned the fat of the animals as an offering and cooked the meat for themselves to feast. They gathered in celebration of Adonijah. They raised their cups to his future reign as king of Israel. However, David was not in attendance, nor did he know of their gathering. All of David's sons were there except for Solomon, and all of David's officials except for Benaiah and Nathan. News of Adonijah's bid for the throne reached the ears of Nathan, the prophet. He leaned on his cane and sighed deeply. This is not good, he whispered. The old prophet put on his cloak and made his way to the home of Bathsheba, David's wife. Even in her advancing years, Bathsheba was a vision to behold. Since the tragedy of Uriah and the birth of her son Solomon, she had regained a sense of self-assurance and strength. David trusted her more than his other wives, and she was an influential voice in the decisions of the nation. Nathan entered her home, bowing his head in honor. Your grace, I have come with urgent news, he said solemnly. Dear Nathan, please sit and speak. Bathsheba gestured for Nathan to sit. The prophet groaned as he sat and sighed. He was a weary man. After years of advising David, he had thought his work had come to an end. Yet here he was, once again, entangled in the drama of David's life. Have you heard that Adonijah is establishing himself as king? Bathsheba's brow furrowed. Her jaw clenched as she spoke. Was this David's doing? She asked. No, the king does not seem to be aware this is happening. You and I were both in attendance when David promised the throne to Solomon. However, it seems that Adonijah has garnered the favor of Joab and Abiathar the priests. If this is true, it is only a matter of time before he comes for you and Solomon 
to take you out. The prophet leaned over and said, You must go to the king and confirm that Solomon is indeed his choice. Bathsheba nodded. Her hands trembled in fear. If Adonijah possessed even half the ambition as Absalom once did, her and Solomon were in grave danger. Nathan, sensing her feelings, took her hand gently. I will come with you. When you have spoken to the king, I will enter as well and confirm your position. Fear not, dear Bathsheba. The Lord will take care of you and your son. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Solomon leaned against the stone wall, perusing scrolls written by the thinkers of old. He was entranced by the hidden knowledge captured in words. Beside him were the scrolls of Moses. He had been reading all morning, losing track of time. As he was lost in thought, he heard a small thump in the other room. Solomon looked up and saw Abishag, the Shulamite woman, passing through with a cup of broth for the king. She was as radiant as ever and captured Solomon's complete attention. Abishag, Solomon said gently. The servant of the king smiled when she saw Solomon. He was taller than his brothers, with a leaner face and shorter beard. Although Solomon did not possess the same good looks as his brother Adonijah, he had kind and wise eyes that made Abishag curious. She blushed when she saw him and greeted him with a small bow. Hello, Solomon. The two lingered in the same room for a moment, enjoying a brief moment together. They both broke the silence with laughter, and Abishag bowed again, saying, <laughs> I must return to your father. It was nice seeing you. Solomon waved goodbye and watched her leave the room. He leaned his head against the stone wall and smiled. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. He whispered. Solomon put down the scrolls and picked up a pen and parchment, writing poems about the love welling up within him. Abishag walked up the stairs leading into David's bedroom. She opened the door quietly, not wanting to wake the king. However, he was already up, gazing longingly out the window. 
The king turned to her and smiled, then graciously took the cup of broth in his hands. Before he could take a moment to sip, the door opened again. This time it was Bathsheba. David smiled and gestured for her to come forward. My bride, he said softly. How can I serve you today? Bathsheba was distraught and unsure how to begin. She bowed at the side of his bed and kissed his hand. It was difficult for her to see the king in such a frail state. She remembered how strong his arms used to be. They were the arms of a warrior, and she melted in his presence. However, his age had stolen his strength, and Bathsheba dealt with him gently. I have come to ask about your will, my lord. She said, You swore to me before God that Solomon would reign after you and sit on your throne. Now I hear word that Adonijah has made himself king. What do you mean? David asked. I did not know any of this. The king stirred in his bed and tried to prop himself up, but failed. <sighs> Bathsheba wiped tears from her eyes and said, He has gone up to sacrifice to the Lord. Your sons have gone with him, as have Joab and Abiathar. My lord, King David, the eyes of Israel are on you. Tell them who shall sit on the throne after you. If you do not act soon, and you die without declaring an heir, you doom Solomon and I. As Bathsheba said these things, Nathan entered the room. He bowed to the king and said, My lord, did I miss the message you sent about Adonijah being king? The last time we spoke, Solomon was to be your heir. Now Adonijah has made a spectacle and hosted a feast in honor of his... David rose his hand and interrupted Nathan. He looked at Bathsheba and said, My bones may be brittle, but my word remains firm. As the Lord lives, who has saved my soul from the clutches of every adversary, Solomon will reign after me. He shall rule in my place and be the steward over God's people. And when my body rests deep in the ground, your son will ascend to the throne. Bathsheba looked at the king with tender admiration. His eyes were resolute and filled with strength. In that moment, she caught a glimpse of his noble and heroic heart. She took his hand in hers and bowed beside him. May you live forever, she said admiringly. Through our son, I shall. David replied, gently placing a hand on her cheek. He looked to his servant who was standing at the door and said, Call Zadok the priest and Benaiah my captain. The servant did not delay. The two men were brought before the king. David rose from his bed with the help of Abishag. He stood up straight and looked them in the eye, saying, Gather my entire household and the remaining mighty men. Take my horse and have Solomon sit on top of it. Ride him throughout the city and sound the trumpets. With loud voices have all the servants shout, Long live King Solomon! David leaned against the side of his bed and held his ribs. He composed himself again and said, Zadok, anoint Solomon as king, just as I was anointed by Samuel. After you have anointed him, place him on my throne. For I hereby relinquish the title of king and give it to my son, Solomon. 
he shall reign over Israel and Judah. Benaiah beamed with pride and saluted the king. Amen. He declared. May the Lord agree with your words. As he has been faithful to you, may he be even more with King Solomon. Benaiah approached David and knelt at his feet. Thank you for your faithfulness as a king, a brother, and a friend. He stood up and kissed David on the cheek. The two embraced his brothers, and Benaiah went to retrieve the next king of Israel. It was early in the morning, and Solomon was overlooking the hill country of Jerusalem from the balcony of his home. He was a young man, just barely twenty years old, yet within him was an old and contemplative soul. He would often stare out at the horizon and think about the meaning of life. His thoughts on existence, suffering, joy, and prosperity were continually on his mind. He brought his ideas to the Lord and weighed them against his law. He thirsted for knowledge as some would thirst for glory and power, and he knew that God alone was the source of all truth. As the sun peeked over the valley and the birds began their morning song, Solomon enjoyed this silent and meditative practice of prayer. The young prince closed his eyes and breathed in the crisp morning air, then descended down the stairs into the garden. As he walked the pathway leading to the city, he was stopped by Benaiah and Zadok the priest. Solomon smiled and waved. Hello, my friends. How might I be of service to you? The two of them said nothing. Instead, they approached Solomon with looks of reverence and bowed at his feet. Entering the gates of Solomon's home were all the servants of King David. The mighty men, the Cherethites and Pelethites, all gathered and bowed at his feet. Benaiah lifted his head and declared, Long live King Solomon! Solomon looked out at the sea of faces, all of them joining in one voice, singing, Long live King Solomon! Long live King Solomon! Long live King Solomon! The choir masters of the congregation were in attendance, and music was lifted into the heavens. They mounted Solomon onto David's horse and rode him through the city. The earth shook from the thousands of voices declaring his name. The sun made its way over the valley and was now emerging over the walls of Jerusalem. Its rays shone directly onto Solomon, signaling a new era in Israel. Meanwhile, at the serpent stone, Adonijah lay on his back, asleep with his belly full of food. The party lasted for days, and the rich young men of Israel had their bellies filled with wine. Each person in attendance was fast asleep, recovering from several nights of drunken festivities. However, all of them awoke to the same noise. Trumpets and cheers cracked the skies like thunder, and Adonijah startled awake. He stood up and rubbed his eyes. He walked out of his tent and looked out. What has caused such an uproar in the city? He asked. Joab was already awake and looking down at the city as well. He wondered the same thing. Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, ran up the mountain to greet them. Jonathan! Adonijah yelled. Have you come from the city? I have, my lord. He replied solemnly. What news do you have? Why are people cheering? The man who is to replace David has been chosen. Jonathan said. Solomon now sits on the throne. When the rest of Adonijah's guests heard what Jonathan had said, they quickly gathered their things and fled. They trembled in fear of being caught in a conspiracy against the king. Adonijah's heart began to beat quickly. He realized now that he had made a grave mistake assuming his place as heir to the throne. He will surely kill me, he whispered. I must speak with him and beg for mercy. 
he grabbed Jonathan by the robe frantically and said, Go and tell the king I need to speak with him. Tell him to not put me to death. King Solomon stood alone in the throne room. Tapestries telling stories of David's life laced the walls. In the middle of the room was an iron pit. In it, a fire burned. Solomon stood over it, allowing himself to be entranced by the flames. He held the crown in his hand. The flickering light from the flames bounced off the golden crown. He ran his fingers over the engravings, admiring the fine detail and handiwork. The crown seemed heavy in his hands. He looked up at the throne and stepped forward. When he was a child, the throne of his father always seemed so large and terrifying. Now it seemed larger than ever. He took another hesitant step toward the throne and paused again. Am I worthy of this? He whispered. A voice from behind broke the silence. My king. Solomon turned around. It was Benaiah. He bowed and said, Forgive my intrusion, but your brother Adonijah has sent word begging for your mercy. He requests you allow him to live, despite his pursuit of the throne. What do you say? This was Solomon's first decision as king. He looked down at his father's crown, then back up at his father's throne. David would show mercy. He thought to himself. Solomon placed the crown on his head. If he shows himself a worthy man, not one hair on his head shall be touched. However, if wickedness is found in him, he shall be punished. Benaiah bowed and began to leave. However, he stopped, then turned around to Solomon. I actually had another message for you, King Solomon, Benaiah said. David requires your presence in his chambers. Solomon nodded. Thank you, Benaiah. I shall go at once. The young king slowly creaked open the chamber doors. A rush of warm air blew against his face as he entered. The room was dry and smelled of spikenard and cedar. The fire continued to burn in the fireplace, painting the room with flickering light. His father lay in the bed, with Abishag standing beside him. She gave Solomon a gentle smile and waved. She kissed David's cheek and left his side, touching Solomon's arm before leaving. Now it was only he and David in the room. The glorious King David and his heir, King Solomon. He stood beside his father and reached out to hold his hand. David looked up and smiled. His breathing was labored and his eyes were weary. I am about to go the way of all the earth, David whispered. Solomon felt tears about to break, but he held them back to listen to his father speak his final words. Be strong. My son, David said, squeezing his hand. Show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God. Walk in his ways and keep his commandments. Guard your heart with his rules, his testimonies, and the law of Moses. If you keep his word close... All that you do will prosper. Wherever you go, and whatever you do, God will bless you. David turned his gaze to his window and sighed. (sighs) For all my triumph in life, I have also had failure. Yet God remained faithful to me. He promised me that if my sons paid close attention to his ways, 
and walked before him in faithfulness with all their hearts and souls, they would lack nothing. He beckoned for Solomon to lean down next to him. Solomon knelt down beside his father. He laid a hand on his son and said a prayer. Then he kissed him on the forehead. Keep the coal in the flame, he said with a smile. David then pulled out a scroll and placed it in Solomon's hand. He patted him on the hand and let go. I am tired, he said. I think I shall rest now. David closed his eyes and fell asleep. Solomon leaned over and kissed his father on the forehead, stroking his hair as he watched him fall deeper and deeper into sleep. He knew in his heart that David would not wake. Solomon walked down the stairs with the scroll in his hand. He walked into the library and sat at the desk. He held a candle close to the scroll and unraveled it. It was David's handwriting. In the scroll was the final song. The last words of David, the son of Jesse. The oracle of a man raised on high and anointed by the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. Solomon smiled and ran his fingers over the words and read. The Spirit of the Lord speaks to me. His word is on my lips. The God and rock of Israel has spoken, saying, When one rules with justice and fear of God, he dawns on the people like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass sprout on the earth. For my house stands with God. He has made me an everlasting covenant that is secure and trustworthy. Worthless men are like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be taken with the hand. Do not touch them and keep your distance, for all a wicked man is good for is to be consumed with fire. Solomon leaned back in his chair and rolled up the scroll. He tucked it in his cloak and kept it close. He leaned over the desk and blew out the candle. That evening, David went to be with his forefathers. He was buried in the city of Jerusalem, his shining achievement. He never did get the chance to see Solomon build the temple. However, one day, he would witness something even more glorious. He would witness the promised Messiah. A son of David would raise up a new Jerusalem and establish the perfect will of God, lasting into all eternity. One day, David would hear the trumpets of victory sound once again and be welcomed home into the loving embrace of his God. The man after God's own heart would be close to the heart of God forevermore. God's chosen hero and anointed king was a flawed and fractured image, ultimately pointing to a greater hero and a greater king, one who would be brave and never stumble, one who would be tempted and never give in. One who would feel the sting of death, but rise again to conquer it. This hero was the one David hoped for. From David's seed, this hero would be born. However, he would not fight with a sling or shepherd's staff, nor would he march with a sword and shield. He would meet his enemy, bearing a cross on his shoulders, and vanquish death once and for all. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. 
as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Are you looking to grow closer to God in 2024? Our Daily Bread Daily Devotionals have everything you need to regularly dig into His Word. Each booklet is delivered monthly and comes complete with encouraging daily scripture readings, a Bible in a year reading guide, space to write personal reflections, guided prayers, and more. See how God can transform you through His Word this year by subscribing to our Daily Bread Daily Devotionals at getodb.org slash Tony. That's G-E-T-O-D-B. There you have it, the beautiful end to David's grand adventure. The prelude took us back to the beginning when Samuel walked up the hill to the sound of music. What a glorious life David lived after that moment. After he was anointed as king, opportunities presented themselves at every corner. Opportunities to deliver God's people, seek his character, and obey his commands. Although David was not always perfect, He was always pure. Even in his greatest failures, he returned to the heart of God like a deer returns to a stream of water. Another psalmist would go on to sing, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. David, from beginning to end, thirsted after the heart of God. And after his story is complete, we are invited to do the same. I hope this series inspired you to seek God just like David did, honestly, with a pure heart and a courageous spirit. This episode brought back the flame. Its light was slowly fading away, but David meticulously cared for it. Even though there was a brief time in his life when he ignored the coals, at the very end he kept them burning. Solomon stood by the fire as well. He was curiously staring at it, but we didn't get to see what he did with it. This is a purposeful cliffhanger, for we don't know yet what type of king Solomon will be. If you want to see if he keeps the fire burning, then you can read for yourself. His story, along with hundreds of others, are available to you. Isn't that beautiful? The story of God's heroes and chosen people are available to you and I. We can learn from their victories and defeats, and we can discover the heart of God. The Word of God is available to us. Within it lie the rich truths of what it means to be human wrestle with our God, and prevail over sin, shame, and lies. Truth was an important part of this episode. 
For the bulk of the story, we are led to believe that Adonijah's lies were going to prevail. But truth won in the end and Solomon became king. Adonijah's character was supposed to tease us. He bore more resemblance to Saul than David. And we were led to believe we might have another gory mess on our hands. But that is no way to end David's story. The crowning of Solomon was a perfect final act for David, who needed to be reassured that God's flock would be taken care of. He is a shepherd after all, and he would not be able to depart unless he knew the sheep were okay. Before we depart, I want to revisit an old theme, mercy. At the end of the episode, Solomon shows Adonijah mercy, because that is what his father would have done. David was criticized by people close to him that he always showed too much mercy. He showed too much mercy to Saul, Abner, Michael, Joab, and Absalom. But those critics don't understand David as well as they think they do. David showed mercy because he was a shepherd. He knew that sheep tended to stray away from the pasture. When one sheep leaves the flock, most people would assume it's fine to let the sheep leave. Better to let it die in the wilderness than to risk your own life. But that is not how David saw the world. He was a good shepherd and always left the flock to pursue his lost sheep. David believed that nobody was too far gone or beyond saving. He always believed that the heart of God could prevail in the most wicked hearts. He always showed mercy because a good shepherd never abandons a sheep to the wilderness. He goes after them. God is a good shepherd. He went after us when we strayed from him. He pursued David when he strayed from him as well. You see, David is not just a picture of Jesus. He is a picture of us. David failed, misstepped, and got lost, but God always brought him back. When we fail, misstep, and lose our way, we have a good shepherd who will endure the wilderness and wolves to find us again. You have a God who fights for you, believes in you, and will never let you go. The final words of David are another song. This beautiful hymn perfectly summarizes the heart of our hero. He called God the rock of Israel and gave his final advice to anyone who desires to rule. His words were for Solomon, but also for us. So let's soak them in together. The Spirit of the Lord speaks to me. His word is on my lips. The God and rock of Israel has spoken, saying, When one rules with justice and fear of God, he dawns on the people like the morning light like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass sprout on the earth. For my house stands with God. He has made with me an everlasting covenant that is secure and trustworthy. Worthless men are like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be taken with the hand. Do not touch them and keep your distance, for all a wicked man is good for is to be consumed with fire. I wanted to thank you again for embarking on this journey with me. My hope is that the life of David stoked your love for Jesus, our ultimate hero. But I also hope that David's life inspired you to be brave, courageous, and merciful. I hope that you drew inspiration from his life and found hope that we can all be heroes in our own way. If you ever find yourself in need of valor, I pray these stories stir you to seek God. If you find yourself in need of more inspiring stories, daily prayers, and wisdom to last a lifetime, go to Pray.com. Please leave a review and let us know how this series impacted your life. Follow the podcast so you get the newest release on the story of Jesus coming out soon. Thank you again, and God bless you.
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.